I am sorting myself out about the desired consistency of resourcing. And when resourcing that was scheduled cannot arrive on time, we must change our plans and routines to accommodate as best we can the needs of our physical bodies. If not having a resource makes us very sick or prevents us from getting other needs met, we must have a way of breathing and reorganizing through the experience of this. Digestive components are so important. So important. Comportant. That's a very embodied word, comportment. Digestive components are very comportment. And important. What is it? Was what is it that I'm sorting out now? I'm sorting out that medicinal juice has had to be postponed, and that's very scary and physically violent for me because of what happens to my body if I don't put digestive components in the order they need to be in and to happen at best timing for body's successful utilization. I know that there is a way for me to move through this. It is very... There are... Neurons saying things like scary, upset, challenging. We have scaled and scalable plans for how to ensure survivors all through the network can have juice needs met in the way that they need. More information about our efforts there can be found at intuitive.community/juice. Blessings. What is my plan? I'm going to channel it. Ready? Especially mindful to drink sufficient water before attempts at solid food because now some very carefully chosen, carefully prepared animal foods are part of I don't know how to say it 
I'm not dead yet, are part of the routines that have been constructed to keep my body on this planet. It's very hard for me to eat animal foods. It is eating my friends, as eating plants are also eating my friends, but it involves a different kind of experience and a different kind of death for those friends. The suffering that comes to any of us in the process of eating is relevant to successful digestion and is relevant to whether or not I have enough of the components I need for my body to successfully digest food physically. A lot of that trauma still lives in the body and in all our bodies. It has been changed and increased in ways by industry. But we made industry and we can make new and different industry. Indeed, we are doing so already. The infrastructure we've been building is allowing me to think with somewhat clarity, whereas before I could not possibly. With greatest respect for the proteins I wish to soon be consuming. I do not want to waste food that we have, especially when it has involved particular deaths. I feel that there is a way forward, and I think it involves lemon juice and roots tonic diluted with a lot of water and very, very small sips. Small, small sips. A separate salad with digestive components not mixed in with other foods I'm not sure which of my supplements and medicines I can take if I do not have juice. There are decisions to be made. I will find out when I try to make them, I think. Intuitive.social slash kitchen is compiling other components that go with this conversation. We're never quite sure how much we will be able to post and where, but we are doing better and better at telling you where to look for them. We don't have to remember 
necessarily because the network is remembering for us gratitude, blessings. It is now about the time when I need to stand on my broken feet and then walk on my broken feet through to where these tasks can find completion and successful digestion. Please pray with me. Gratitude. Blessings. Sometimes when it's time for the body to do something very brave, sometimes I make more messages of audio because when I do that it feels like there are people with me and I am not all alone. And I feel like that brings me physical strength. And helps remind me always to breathe. Thank you for being part of this community. Repairing my neurology. Establishing belonging for those who have been excluded so undeservedly. Yesterday morning at anchor.fm slash spontaneous cosmology we talked about how we have found ourselves emerging as new from circumstances of trauma we would never have previously thought we could survive through. You are listening to this intuitive flow. There is a page, I believe, at intuitive.pub slash flow. There is also a newly renamed Telegram Messenger channel that you can visit and join the attached discussion chat by navigating to t.me slash s slash intuitive flow. There's a message number. What is that message number? Intuitive flow slash one five nine one. 
it's amazing how everything is changing. But the innate nature of all things is constant change. If our cultures have created bubbles that allow us to feel like things are not changing for periods of time, then that's sort of interesting. But it doesn't stop things from changing. They might change for a while less visibly. And that visibility might return somewhat suddenly. You are listening to Idea Schema Community Audio Stream. Is that what we're calling it these days? Not very long ago, it may have been slightly different, but we're all changing. This will soon and should be a podcast that you find at anchor.fm slash intuitive flow. Idea Schema has projects that hop from station to station wherever we find most benefit in broadcasting. And I don't know if Idea Schema has come yet to intuitive flow, but we have been coexisting here together a long time. And the desire to publish in our flow projects has been stymied by the eddies of fear and violence that we've all been navigating. It's been very It's been an interesting kind of striving to try to have the conversations for which intuitive flow was created. So profoundly resonant with what idea schema was building from the very beginning. And both Idea Schema and Intuitive Flow now help us address circumstances of the worst and most severe neurological injury, particularly where there are intersections with digestive commensality. and the crucial nature of relationship building. How do we flow where once we were stymied? We're documenting.
Where has Idea Schema been at since, say, the beginning of January 2021? Let's explore together and discover something. I found a way to lean back. My mother had a lot to do with it. It's such an amazing blessing to be leaning back while recording. Just gonna be really grateful for that for a moment. While scrolling. There it is, January 1, 2021. So I can continue leaning back and prioritizing the restful relaxing of my physical body. And I can turn the volume up on the device that is placed about seven feet from me. Well, not really. Three to seven feet away from me, depending on what points we're measuring from. Do we have this? Yes, volume. This keeps the EMF further from me, or it puts me in a situation where I can turn it off easily, pretty easily. All right, what do we got? It's forwarded from intuitive community to idea schema, t.me slash s slash idea schema slash one one seven eight functions gaining here we go you ready good morning 2021 it's so nice to meet you Good morning, 2021. This is a series of countdown clocks, and when you are aware of the countdown clocks, this is from t.me slash s slash s-e-i-r-p-g, strategic environmental initiative role-playing game. When you cannot shrug them off, and they accumulate and compound in certain ways, it becomes a very strange experience when you... You know what? I, I, I didn't go backwards. I went right back to the first. And I started browsing forward, but I came here on purpose to review messages somewhat backwards. I will make a bookmark here. And we will come back and review more later. How do I do this? Reply. There we go. And I will type intuitive flow since I can. Yes, did it. There's my bookmark. Brilliant. 
I don't want to put off what I came here for because what I came here for was so important. So there's a bookmark right there. But we're only going back a few days to the place where we started talking about sex trafficking. Where do we think that started? Interesting January 17th. That's three days ago now. Evan Jakes wrote, Hey Max, how can survivors make money? And I responded, apparently, by doing something they love for a community that cares for them. And then this message following, how do you tell if you're doing something you love? How do you tell if you're part of a community that cares for you? It's interesting how so many circumstances of human trafficking break down into those two questions and have so much to do with how we use money. I don't know how much the world has changed, but the world has changed. And we are having conversations now we could not have previously. We have rebuilt our brains so bravely. Blessings. And we have grappled with necessary storytelling, wondering how to verbalize essential and needed information, lived experiences, and clarion calls to community assistance. Clarion calls to community assistance. I don't want to live anymore with your by these intersections. Really, truly, when the words come out of my mouth. We will all be shocked as silly. They are astonishing. We're shocked silly already. Something is growing. And we're all getting better at breathing. Max, it's Evan Jakes here. I would like to know the story of how this all started, which I know is a traumatic story for you. And um, really needs telling. So maybe we should start from when we met, actually. It's not... I've been listening to the messages we've been broadcasting and noticing how there are different levels of my body's ability to absorb the information, 
to process what I'm transceiving and to formulate a verbalizable response. I know that the ways that my body feels in the midst of these conversations is about trauma and trauma healing. And I sometimes think it defies description. I don't think that all the time. When Evan and I met... Really. When we met, actually. It starts from when we met, actually. When Evan and I met, I was referred to Evan. I was introduced to Evan by a person who at the time was a mutual friend of ours, Andy Dolph, who also played a significant part in the story we're telling. And that's one of the reasons it's hard for me to engage in these conversations and it's so important for survivors at violent intersections to have community support in having these conversations because people who played roles in any survivor's story very often have acted to increase the violence experienced by that survivor to prevent them from sharing And that is what happened to me. Interacting with a lot of different people in addition to Andy. And a lot of people who make a living in public comporting themselves professionally on the subject of, for instance, relationship building or what is, I think, assumed to be safe, inclusive community and is not, we have discovered so. Startlingly. Why were we startled? because we were misinformed originally. It's not really where the story starts, but it's at least a hook to hang it on. So when I first started talking to you, what was going on in your life at that point? When Evan first started talking to me, what was going on in my life at that point? One of the reasons this is hard is because when I departed the relationships I had been in for five years or ten years or various other significant numbers of years of my life I was in these relationships, I began to realize that I had really been misled by the people I thought that I was in relationships with. And I did not understand until I had repaired enough more of my 
brain, my neurological function, a lot of things. So when I try to go back to that place, the big question for me is, was I interacting with people who did care for me, who, who did love me and consider me family the way they said? Or was I interacting with people who were trafficking me? The answer turns out to not be as cut and dry as maybe we would all like it to be. One of the really interesting things that happens is that there are these specific evidences of how my brain was reprogrammed by violent circumstances. Where I go back into a context idea schema, for instance, and I start to tell experiences and then I notice that when my words try to get the truth out of my mouth, what comes out instead are the programmed things that my body thought, if I said, would stop the violence I was experiencing. But what those people programmed me to do and be was to hate myself and believe that I must die for the comfort of others and that it wasn't a concern for people who said that they cared about me if I was suffering continuously and extremely. I really don't, I don't, how do I represent any of this? Does it live in my body or has it been, has it been like destroyed out of me? Was I this person? So the brain wants others to share their reflections. Really, that was originally the worst problem because human beings need certain kinds of reflective relationship building activities. If they are deprived of that, it causes terrible damage to the brain, to the body as we've been documenting and illustrating. Um, I often feel that I have words about these things, but then when I try to say them, and I know why, I think what will happen, and what, what's been happening a little bit, that we are looking to increase is that when other people reflect to me what they can of what they've experienced of all of this, as Evan has, but most other people haven't, and then all through the network are survivors with similar and interrelated, very extreme experiences. When we are talking about it together in new and different ways, we're building neurological structures that support better 
more more collectively engaging conversations that more people can participate in and learn to understand these different relevant languages. I need to believe that there are people who care that these things are happening right in their midst. I've been working so hard to find them. I'm not the only one. This last message from January 17th. This next one from January 18th. Building a community brain, which is what you're doing with this network, is a way of of telling yourself and others in a way that your neurology can absorb that you are not a nuisance for staying alive and for wanting to stay alive when your needs are this extreme. That there isn't a point at which a human being should go, I need too much, I am too much of a bother, I will bow out now. Um, And by teaching our brains this, we are creating the ability to engage with the communities that traffic you and others because when we believe that that shouldn't have happened then we are able to tell them that it shouldn't have happened and what should and could happen instead. Julianne writes, love power is alchemical, aligned to collective and individual justice. Magic is applied quantum physics, love power. Let's talk about sex trafficking. I guess, I mean, if we weren't already. Sex trafficking is the conversation we are having every single day. And all of the members in our community network have been actively discouraged from having this conversation, which has, we feel, resulted in the ongoing nature of sex trafficking. So when I start to talk about it, I process the experience of talking about it in a body that has been submitted to terrible violence on the basis of talking about it. I'm very proud that we're talking about it. And we're going to talk about it more. 
the world that we are navigating now is a world that pathologizes and silences people who are harmed at violent intersections, people who have health conditions that have compounded without sufficient assistance, people who have reactions and then terrible consequences of exposing their bodies to environmental contaminants, people who have told the truth about the illness and injury that they've experienced and have been dismissed and ignored, creating such dramatically increased chaos and damage. And when we talk together about how to listen kindly to one another, how to believe one another, how to support one another, even when we ourselves feel we do not have enough support, when we talk about these things, we are talking about how to stop sex trafficking. And this is crucially, urgently needed. In these interview videos, Alison McDowell is describing infrastructure that allows for continued sex trafficking and labor trafficking of marginalized people, of intersectionalized people, of severely disabled people, our elders and children, and people experiencing hardship that they cannot reach anyone to help them with. This is at t.me slash s slash idea schema slash making sure it's right one two eight eight no wait that's the audio message the video with Allison McDowell it is part five I recommend watching all five parts which are also listed in the YouTube notes. This video link to YouTube can be found at t.me slash ideaschema slash 1287. There, I did it. We have documented extensively the pathways by which individuals and whole communities come to harm most greatly because people do not tend to know about the trafficking pathways in use and how people are coming to that harm. Building a community brain, which is what you're doing with this network, is a way of, of telling yourself and others in a way that your neurology can absorb that you are not a nuisance for staying alive and for wanting to stay alive when your needs are this extreme. That there isn't a point at which a human being should go, I need too much, I am too much of a bother, I will bow out now. Um, 
And by teaching our brains this, we are creating the ability to engage with the communities that traffic you and others, because when we believe that that shouldn't have happened, then we are able to tell them that it shouldn't have happened and what should and could happen instead. There are these two pieces. One of them is being violently exhorted to say that you're good and fine when you're being physically tortured ongoing. And another one is Maybe I'll just sit there for a moment. Okay, good morning. I just finished listening to this podcast. And I wanted to just stop and add a little commentary. The podcast to which ZP is referring is entitled Real Discernible Progress and was published January 18th. 2021 at anchor.fm You can find the link on Telegram at t.me slash maxmoradio slash 2925 One of the things Max asks is how someone in a conversation after hearing someone dies does not have a response to that and then what does that what does that even mean? Uh, I think, firstly, it, it really just displays a characteristic that we have with the relationship of death. I think some people, even while healthy, living and alive, um, are so put off by the idea of death that it, it's something that they're just trying to ignore. And, and that includes the, the suffering and the death of others. And I think that this, this could be speaking metaphorically. Uh, uh, a lot more generally about things that are going on right now, uh, especially in regards to apathy versus, you know, connection and relationship with ourselves and death and, and things like that. But um, I know that in a lot of cases, we need more ability to respond. And I think that even though there are lots of good things that we could possibly do, I think that one of the best things um, that could be done is to uh, uh, allow people experience or, or teaching or opportunity or, or however it might come um, to be able to talk more, to be able to actually respond more. And I think that uh, often people don't know how to respond to people who are extremely suffering. Um, and in some sense, sometimes it could be better to not respond when one doesn't know necessarily how to help or, or what to say, but we know that in most cases support still exists regardless of whether or not we've yet discovered the, the means of the solutions to the things that, that are most extreme at the time. I think it makes tremendous sense that people would be unable to respond until they had the benefit of a greater collective conversation to collaborate together in building the neurology that is needed in order to safely have the conversation. 
And when we ask questions like these from the most violent intersections, we find ourselves repeating over and over again, what is going on? How can this be happening? Because we are experiencing the worst physical brutality or the most invisible physical brutality where we in our physical bodies no longer have any any privilege or leisure to be silent and consider we have to scream and it's for lack of understanding this that so many communities come to violence and conflict because their most marginalized community members try to speak on the basis of what they're experiencing and instead they are submitted to grievous harms. When all of us need a greater collective conversation just to be able to understand one another and it takes time to understand one another so we better get cracking talking about this on the public radio. Thank you. Blessings. It will get easier to have these conversations. Another very important point, thank you, Zach, for reminding me of it, is that the abuse that all have suffered in some way has led to situations overwhelmingly where people think that they are being demanded to present a whole solution and they're not. They think that if they respond at all, they have to know what the solution is and they have to be ready to implement it. They think that if they respond at all, they're supposed to have money to apply to a situation that can be improved with money. And I would say most of the people and organizations we reach out to have that going on, preventing them from responding to survivors of greatest severity. The second thing that I really wanted to comment on is the subject of, of labor trafficking, something that we we all kind of uniquely experience in our need to participate with this labor system. Um, but more so, I wanted to talk about how that relates to trafficking in the sense of when assistance even is available. So, current example, you know, we have these stimulus checks or whatever, and I, in, in more of a financial discussion, I might not agree with the process because we've basically devalued our, our, our dollar uh, and inflation is approximately 30% just over the last 12 months, um, which will obviously have an impact. But that aside, uh, what I wanted to say in, in regards to situations that, that leave people stuck in situations, whether that forces them to choose a job that we would consider to be part of, of labor trafficking or just the, just the overall experience uh, and pressure and suffering that, that that all causes. The only people that are actually able to benefit, let's say, from these stimulus checks are people who, first of all, recently filed a tax return, 
uh, have an exemption or, or otherwise. And if you don't, if you're not actively participating with these systems, well, there's absolutely nothing that has been made in way of assistance. And coming from a, a, a lower income uh, area when I was a kid, we, you know, we had food stamps and, and assistance and, and, and things like that. Um, but you know, when it when it came to actually, uh, you know, struggling or getting things that we needed, there wasn't really much more than that. And the the knowledge of that, some people don't even have the ability to interact with these other systems, um, whether it's paperwork, whether it's uh, whatever whatever the the bar to entry is. Like there there are so many uh, things that need to be made open and available to create like resources for safety i mean for peace of mind for things that aren't going to put someone in a position where they got to take a job with there's something that they have to suffer through whether that's physically mentally with the environment or whether they're being even poisoned on the job like i've experienced at times like i really think that it would be within our power as citizens of where, wherever we may may reside to be able to understand that there there needs to be allocable uh, funds and, and and that these need to be made accessible to the people at the, the most extreme intersections like I I feel this almost a similar level of frustration um, even though I am you know, able to, uh, you know, maintain a home and, and a living and things. I still remember what it was like um, when, when I wasn't, when that wasn't the case uh, many, many years ago. And I know that more so than anything, like the physical well-being related to stress and, and daily life is, is so, so important. They want to help, and they don't know how because they have been acculturated to believe that those are the only means of helping. They don't realize that we can engage in supportive, conversational activities together that give us all better access to function and resourcing. Being poisoned on the job is such an important conversation. Being poisoned is altogether many parts of my necessary conversations. And there are so many people who don't have any sense of what their own advocacy can be if they're being poisoned on the job or in any situation. And when we have such ubiquitous poisoning and we have such ubiquitous circumstances of making the assumption that one must suffer terribly in order to work responsibly and successfully. All of that together is a real problem. Being poisoned on the job is medical sovereignty. People being allowed to choose work that does not harm them 
medical sovereignty. People being allowed to choose work that does not harm them. Being deprived of media resourcing that represents our greatest, 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 greater collective body. We are bringing in points that are how I was originally submitted to sex trafficking. That can mean a lot of things. And I want very much to specify explicitly what it means for me to whatever extent I may achieve. Thank you for helping me. I really feel I would like others in the most respectful and kindest ways to ask me questions that are blurty. I notice that people hesitate to blurt questions at me or others who have had extreme experiences, but we need people to blurt respectfully and with kindness so that Collectively, we are blurting together and evolving our interactive languages. Because people in situations of trauma can only blurt and be misunderstood. We can address this very successfully this way, and I am always striving for that kind of engagement. If there's anyone listening to this who has spoken before or not, please feel free to join us and blurt because it will help us get important parts of these conversations started. Another part of this that needs to be brought in is what is happening in the world of men. How men are being hung on the hook in ways that allow them to be used against more marginalized individuals and communities. And men are set up to seem a certain way while they're having utterly invisible experiences of extreme traumatization. And that cannot be separate from this conversation for a lot of reasons. I wish to say reasons specifically, and I need your help to do it soon instead of some unknown later eventual timing. very challenging to have words come out of my mouth in the order I wish them to, or at all, instead of trauma blurting. But this is so important, and my body is so connected to all of the people in our network who have not had the privilege of showing up in public, 
who are being affected by these things so long as we haven't had the necessary conversations yet. Thank you for having this conversation with me. Blessings. ZP writes, Specifically, I would like to see current events bring about more advocacy for medical workers. Sadly, even the PPE that's legally required has always been more about liability than protecting the worker, which is why I believe our communication about real preventative health measures is offset already at the beginning. He continues, both my father and grandpa died of terminal lung and brain cancer, both worked at General Motors for 40 plus years. It would be hard not to see them as victims of labor trafficking related to being subjected to poisoning. And I agree. ZP asks, what's the healthy level of anger versus unhealthy level of hate to feel about people being harmed? Yes, yes, let's blurt together, I like that. Um, please blurt your definition, your definition of sex trafficking, and it can be full of long, vague trauma sentences, that's fine. Uh, and actually, I don't even get to tell you that that's fine. That's fine, even if I say it's not fine, but I do happen to say it's fine. Um, actually, I've got two questions for you. I'll put the second one in another message in case that's convenient for you. Why do you talk formally? I think I kind of know neurologically because I do it a bit too when I'm under duress, but I don't know why I do it. And I think that you do it deliberately. And I wonder if it's to do with how you want to be perceived or if it's to do with uh, which parts of your language brain have survived or to do with how it makes you feel when you talk formally. I'm really interested in that because... Um, you're actually a very friendly, silly, um, random person. Um, and yet you have this, this tremendous, um, dignified polysyllabic, um, presence in the way that you talk. Um, and I'm just, I've never asked you about that because it seems like a bit rude to ask somebody why do you talk the way you talk but it's actually like it's not rude because the the way you talk is part of the experience that you're having and the way that you are communicating the experience that you're having it's not like hey Max why don't you talk properly because you talk so properly I'm like asking you why you talk so properly where are you at with pronouns at the moment like for reals um are we are we using she because people like to give things to women and not non-binary people or are you actually down with 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 she more at the moment or is that is the answer to that question moo and it's fine if you don't want to talk about that because we're on sex trafficking which i'm actually really happy that we're on i mean i know it sounds silly to say i'm happy we're talking about sex trafficking because it's awful but the alternative is for awful things to not be talked about, which is more awful. Yes, I agree. Um, we 
could have a very fruitful conversation about what is happening to men because um it's not very nice i think um yeah i think all the genders are kind of hecked in a way like if you're a woman you've got to be like beautiful and feminine and soft and nice and always um supportive of everyone but then you've also got to be like a competent modern modern woman doing your career and, and not needing a man and um it's like men have the other side of that because they have to be you know down with all of the equality stuff but they don't have equal freedom to express emotion and they don't have equal safety from getting punched in the face which i know is like pretty small beer versus some of the things that you've been through but like it's a literal normal thing that they grow up with from childhood that if they say the wrong thing they'll be punched in the face literally punched in the face not insulted or ignored or called names or people not talking to them at playtime punched so they're acting in ways that will get them not hit i think um we also need to talk about the rampant use of misgendering between men to punish each other because cis people need to be told that they're their gender too right and men constantly tell each other that they're girls and women if they're not like doing it right and that 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 still has to be horrible like even if you've got like 10 other people telling you you're a man it's still got to suck if your friend's telling you you're not a man like really suck because a man isn't just a gender it's a it's an ideal it's like a noble person that you have to aspire to and and try to be Zach asks, what's the healthy level of anger versus unhealthy level of hate to feel about people being harmed? I've got two answers to that. The first is, it's not my job to tell you what levels of your feelings are okay versus not. And whatever you're feeling is okay. So that's level one. Level two, I think you are going to have a better time if your anger remains on the side of wanting to stop harms or make better people and things that have been harmed rather than wanting to harm those who have harmed them obviously we're human we're going to want to hurt the people who have hurt others sometimes but if you are more interested in revenge than in like making it better then everybody's less likely to have a good time in my opinion and i don't think that's likely to apply to you personally zach because you seem like you're very interested in redressing harms and making stuff better um i think just as like a general a general thing anger the borderline between anger and hate is that hate is at the person Anger can be at what the person has done. Hate is, well, it's personal. It's 
it's aggression towards the person who has done the thing. It stops really being about the thing and starts just being about I'm just sitting here trying to spit out a feeling and I can't because it's a feeling. And I felt it, so I'm not sitting here on my high horse going, oh, just don't hate people, it's simple. Uh, it's not simple, but but that's that's my opinion on which is healthy and which is not. Seventeen twenty-six in the evening, January 20th, 2021, it has been a day. And I've been taking my time moving through these idea schema messages and intending that I would be able to respond verbally. And I think that's what I'm doing. Evan is writing in the group chat attached to our public broadcast channel on Telegram Messenger, t.me slash s slash idea schema. Evan is writing, responding to or based on my broadcast message on January 18th around 1.30 in the afternoon Eastern Standard Time. We've all been discouraged from talking about sex trafficking and in some cases violently traumatized from talking about sex trafficking, which perpetuates sex trafficking. We have another written version of this text and I will find it and bring it back This is based on some of what I was saying, and we've been working on making text words that would convey what we mean to convey. If you'd like to help us with that, you are very welcome. Navigate to t.me slash s slash intuitive public helpers, install Telegram, and send me a direct message at Max Morris is my profile on Telegram. Evan is writing, one part of the sex trafficking pathway is people being violently exhorted to say that they're fine when being physically tortured which, Evan is correct, does refer to the whole cocktail of untreated and unacknowledged illness symptoms, unmet needs, rape and rapiness, not all of which involves literal non-consensual touch, although some of it certainly does. The subject of non-consensual touch needs to be discussed because those of us who haven't been touched in certain ways have been touched in other ways, and if we don't bring it up, we die of these things. I'm going to set that aside momentarily. Evan is writing, P 
people don't know what to say in conversations about death, well, yeah. I think a lot of this is what I've said, but I'm discovering it, thinking how much I'd like to publish this episode, and the rhyming part of my brain says, and be done with it. And that's not what I mean. That's one of those trauma scramble opposites. Because this subject is not one that I would like to be done with. We are just getting started. Communities end up in conflict because the most marginalized members try to speak about what they're experiencing and end up suffering more grievous harms instead of any kind of help they have been encouraged to believe that they would receive. Evan is writing, labor trafficking intersects with sex trafficking in terms of when support is available. People stuck in terrible situations can be forced to choose a job we would consider part of labor trafficking. I believe that was from Zach's message. How are you doing today? How's your breathing going? Evan writes right here, people don't realize they can help just through conversation. Here is a piece Evan and I have written. It can be found at every time I go to do this, I think, am I going to do it? Is it going to happen? In this case, maybe not. (laughs) You'll find it on January 18th, 2021 in the Idea Schema Public Broadcast Channel on Telegram Messenger. January 18th, 2021. We've all been discouraged from talking about sex trafficking. In some cases, violently traumatized to prevent us talking about sex trafficking. This perpetuates sex trafficking. Our society pathologizes and silences people who are harmed at violent intersections, who have health conditions that have compounded without help, whose bodies have life-threatening reactions to environmental contaminants, who have told the truth about the illness and injury they've experienced, have been dismissed and ignored, creating chaos and damage 
When we talk together about how to listen and support one another, even when we feel we don't have enough support ourselves, we're talking about how to stop sex trafficking. This is urgently needed. The clips of Alison McDowell's important community conversations describe infrastructure that facilitates the sex trafficking of marginalized and vulnerable people, including disabled people, elders, and children. There is no need for this violence. We have documented the pathways that, le that lead to sex trafficking because people don't know about these pathways. But each pathway can be interrupted and prevented easily when we focus together on building safe, inclusive communities. When you participate in these conversations with us, you learn about the pathways you weren't aware of before. This prevents sex trafficking. Signed, Telegram Handles, Evan Jakes and Max Morris referencing messages in the public telegram broadcast channel idea schema 1270 through 1305 cataloged at intuitive.social slash memory I tell people to use she and her across the board if they have any hesitance or confusion. But there is an important place in my heart for pronoun scrambling and sometimes I feel for me it is very necessary. I'm looking forward to more conversations about why that also has a lot to do with when I am speaking formally, why I am speaking formally. And I'm not sure where to start talking about these things, but please keep asking because I would like to hear the answers come out of my mouth. And I think I can do it successfully. My speaking formally is not a intentional choice in the way other people conceptualize intentional choice. The primary reason, it's, it's, there are some interlocking reasons. A very big reason for me speaking formally instead of being a, a, the more relaxed wacky, carefree self that others have sometimes heard me being is that I am in such extreme pain ongoing if I do not establish a strong, formal way of proceeding I will say things to people that will cause them to abandon and harm me because in our society we abandon and harm people who tell the truth about extreme trauma they're experiencing 
if they do not have enough money or access to safe community to ensure that they are protected and can get their needs met. So I am not allowed to be anything other than extremely formal when discussing the needed subjects because if I inadvertently slip into a different way of communicating, for instance, to let on how extreme is the physical suffering, almost exclusively my options for response harm me. And I'm not even sure that the people working most closely with me would continue to do so if I was not enforcing my own formal communicating. It is so challenging to remember what I've been communicating and it is so dangerous to slip up and communicate in a way that I am not as aware of or that may not be as recognizable a language to the person I'm communicating with. People who wonder why I've been communicating so formally should also wonder why I am being allowed to be continually physically tortured to death. This is not hyperbole. It's a bunch of really interesting lessons in neurology. <laughs> so that's the beginning of an answer to that, but it's a tiny fraction and a lot of what we have in the knowledge base, honestly, is an answer to that question. Um, I'd like to keep answering it, but there's a piece. P-E-A-C-E. I appreciate Evan having brought up misgendering and the ways that misgendering is assumed to be a non-issue, a, a not harmful thing, at the same time as it is actively used to cause harm to others on purpose to get them to align with what is considered, I guess, normalcy. Whatever that means. And there are important language interconnections between people in queer and trans communities, gender non-conforming communities, and people in communities that feel discomfort around gender non-conformity. And those conversations, much like the medical sovereignty conversations. Uh, actually, in some places, they're all the same conversation. Those are all very pertinent right now to my immediate safety and to the safety of others in southwestern Pennsylvania and other places in the U.S. and all around the globe who have been striving with us to communicate successfully to those we've been striving to reach.
I am praying for more of these conversations every day. These conversations protect and safeguard our bodies. Is there some kind of closing reflection that I can make? We have been broadcasting to this intuitive flow, which you can find at anchor.fm slash intuitive flow and on telegram messenger t.me slash intuitive flow and in our broadcast channel at Idea Schema on Telegram Messenger. We've been trying to show up for these conversations every day for a bunch of years now. And broken feet or not, we seem to have gathered the resourcing needed to be able to amplify these conversations daily and that does appear to be what we're doing thank you for the ways you've helped us make it happen let's keep going <laughs>